Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Who podcast. I'm your co-host, Coach Mables, a.k.a. Jay Mapes, here as always with my brother, Kings. Kings, what's going on, my boy? Man, it's, it's not good for me with the football, man. Just more L's. Niner fans' happiness is my misery. <laughs> man, it's not a good week for, weekend for me. Yeah, I think I have a fellow uh, Cowboys mourner on the line. I think uh, we have a special guest. Uh, we're doing a deep dive on the Dallas Mavericks this week. Uh, yes, one of the homies I met on the timeline a while ago, been wanting to tap in for a minute, finally got a chance to. Chris Henderson. Uh, Chris, what's going on, man? Yeah, man. Cowboys morning, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> Look, man, I, 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 and the sad part about it is I saw Zeke, I saw Zeke today, man. And uh, you know how you just got to put your head down, man. Like I, I've been mourning, like I talked all that mess and I was like, yeah, as long as we get one playoff win, we didn't get nothing, but I feel better now to see that Green Bay loss, but I'm well, man. I'm, I'm glad to be on the pod with you guys, man, and kick it with y'all, talk some mouse hoops and talk NBA, man. Uh, for sure, man. We've been one of the we like to reach out to. We like to like tap in with the local team. They thought we get more of a, uh, of a, of a pulse on what's really going on, man. So before we get going, man, let everybody I know what you do like specifically who you work with what your job is so they kind of know where you come from man let us know yeah man um actually so i've been independent going now i want to say 11 years now um mm. my brand is like see so a lot of people so originally i worked with sneakerwatch.com so if you were obviously in the sneaker especially during the real like hype these days of the mid-2000s going into like the the teens of the 2000s um i worked with sneakerwatch.com and a lot of my interviews were on there like with nba players talking kicks and stuff. And, you know, at that point, I branched out and started doing it on my own. And been covering the NBA for that long, um, covering Major League Baseball. I do some NFL stuff. I do boxing. I mean, entertainment, you name it. But, yeah, I covered the team out here in Dallas. Um, I was fortunate enough to be there the championship year and get a chance to see that, man. So Crazy. Got, to see, got to see that, man. That's that's dope to see the team that you grew up and see and lose and actually in your dough years actually get to celebrate a championship. So, yeah, man, um, you know, just cHendo.com. Everybody knows me as Hendo, or they call me Hen or cHendo. So, yeah, you can find me easily. And you, like the PlayStation Xbox behind me, man. I'm I see it. you. Yeah, I, oh, man, I'm, man, everything is locked in to cHendo. Right. So there's no way I can't, I can't hide from nobody. So, yeah, it's, I've been doing it for a while, man. So how did you, how was that transition uh, going independent, man, from, from working with a media company? How does, like, how does that work? How do you just, you just use relationships or just network? How does that work as far as, being independent in sports media, I know it's a tough game to, you know, kind of get traction in. So tell us how that worked. Yeah, so, like, actually, so I started off independent, and then, like, what happened is, you know, you, you post a couple of videos, and if you guys know who Vlad TV is, right? Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vlad, so Vlad actually owns Sneaker Watch. Huh. So, so a lot of people don't know that. He actually owns Sneaker Watch, and um, I did a video 
I want to say it was with LeBron and I posted it and he saw it. It didn't have that many views and he saw it. He was like, and who's this dude going in the locker room talking sneak? He reached out to me also, you know, like, hey, man, we can get you exposed, get your name out there a little bit. And I was cool with it because, like I said, I was rocking with my guys and I still do to this day on a radio show out here that we do in Dallas. Uh, we we partner with different brands and stuff and we do radio shows and podcasts and uh, we started doing that. And it was dope. Um, and like I said, just trying to find a way to really get my name out there. And next thing you know, he reached out and it went from there. But working independent, man, it's it's dope, man, because I get to use my creativity, different things that I love. Um, I don't have to stick to a script per se. Or, you know, I can be myself, be original. Like my content has always been about sneakers, gaming. Obviously, we talk to sports. But a lot of people always ask me, why do athletes rock with me? Is because... I talk about things that we all relate to. Like we all love video games. We all love music. We love kicks. We love, we love all that stuff. Right. So I always wanted to bring that into the locker rooms and, you know, like for me being independent, like really the reason why I really went truly independent is probably because of Steve Nash. Uh, I never forget, man, my first NBA game, first person I ever interviewed in the NBA was Steve Nash. And this is MVP Steve Nash and, this is 04 then, right? Or, or yeah, it was a little bit before then. It was a little okay, bit. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. It was, it was like actually it was right there. No, it was literally right there. Yeah, it was right there. And I was doing my intern stuff, and you know, and um, I was uncomfortable, man, in the locker room. Like I ain't gonna <laughs> lie to y'all, man. Like I, I'm embarrassed. Somebody posted that picture one day. I had to tag myself because I was wearing the big baggy Steve Harvey suit, and like they <laughs> they were killing me. I was sweating in there, man. I was I didn't look normal, and Steve Nash sort of like looked at me and was like man, you need to lighten up, like, you know, lighten yourself up a little bit, like, you know, just be normal, like, you, you seem kind of tense. He said, what you like? I said, I like music and sneakers and gaming. He said, why don't you ask me questions about that? Ad? And I was like, all right, and I started doing it, next thing you know it, here comes, like, Amari Stoudemire, here comes all these dudes, and then, like, man, next thing you know it, I just, I stuck to that script, like, I, I went away from, like, the first, at the time, cold pizza was the thing, right? I remember, I yeah, yeah, Like, I wanted to be controversial. And it was like, that's not me. So, you know, being independent, man, is dope. I tell people all the time, take advantage of it, man, because, like, you know, with us being black and different things like that, we all have creativity, and we need to get it out there, man. And, like, you're going to, it's always going to be hate amongst, amongst, you know, the crowd and stuff when they see you doing your thing like that. But I tell people, take that route, man, and companies are looking at that now. And the best way to do it is, they can't, you can sell your product to them and they can, they either got to accept it or not. Somebody's going to take it. And like yeah. I said, if you, being independent, you can do so much. You're not stuck to one thing. Like, man, I go from an NBA game to a WNBA game to Major League Baseball to boxing. Next thing you know, I'm in the concert talking to a rapper. So I enjoy the fact that I can just do what I want to do. And, you know, it's been there. So independent is definitely way to go, man. And you know, I salute everybody that's doing it. Oh, hey, that's free game for y'all, man. That's free game. A lot of y'all asked, you know, I mean, I, I mean, Kings do it. They know just gave you the game from for real. Somebody did it for real. So we had Hendo on. We're talking about the Mavericks because uh, kind of out the blue got hot after a, a rough start. Um, just really locking in defensively have been a top five defensive team over the, la- over the whole season, really. But they really locked down the last few weeks. Offenses. A work in progress, which is the thing about, you know, always a question with Jason Kidd. We'll get more into him later. So, as Hendo, I've seen a couple games, a few games. I'm not liking everyone like you. What has been the change, uh, in your opinion, over these last few weeks as a team? They won eight of their last ten, knocked off a hot Grizzlies team twice within the last, you know, ten days or so. Um, 
Just tell us what what was was turned around for you guys. Uh, I would say it started in the offseason. It was culture. I mean, you've been around this game. Both of y'all been around this game, and y'all been in all aspects of this game. You got to understand, it's one thing to coach X's nose, and that's where Rick Carlisle was good at, but he couldn't relate to these guys. Um, there was always riffs. Guys, you know, like Rick was sort of those guys. He was a guy that was sort of stuck in his ways. Huh. And, and it's unfortunate because it sort of took away from the team aspect. And when you got a dominant, and I won't say like superstar, but a young and up-and-coming superstar like Luca, right? Um, it's hard for Rick because Rick is known as a guy that doesn't play young guys. And when you got a guy that good, who's going to tell him no? And I think that was the clash <laughs> of the, the best of both worlds at that point. But I just think Jason Kidd has brought in a culture of like wanting to play. And they accepted. Like I remember, like when media day came around, first thing he said was defense. He talked about defense and KP. He didn't say a word about Luca. And a lot of people were shunned about it. They felt the way about it. But his whole thing was this: We know what Luca can do. We need the other guy to buy into it, and we need Luca to play defense. We need Luca to play off the ball. And it was a struggle at first, man. That first night, man, when they played Atlanta, they I, I remember. It looked good, man. I was I, man. I almost deleted my Twitter, man, because they was coming after me, man. They was killing me. They was memeing me and stuff. And I was like, man, they better get better. And it's, it was a slow start. But at the same time, there was no there was no KP, and then he comes back. Then Luca misses seventeen games, right? So that's the crazy part. This team got hot right before he got hurt. Yeah, that's and, I remember. And, yeah, and then he comes back. KP gets hurt or gets COVID. You go on a stretch where you beat the Warriors, you beat Denver, you beat Chicago, and then you beat Memphis, and then you come back and beat Memphis again. So yeah, this team, man, they just like each other. It's a culture thing, man. Like at the end of the day, man, you gotta like who you're gonna work with, right? And, and I think that's the thing that's most important with this team. And I, people buying in. I think Luca has a respect for Jason Kidd because he knows who Jason Kidd is. I mean, this is a kid that grew up watching LeBron. That's his favorite player. So he he saw Jason Kidd win a championship. Right. He understands who Jason Kidd is. And I think the respect level is there. And then, like I said, KP seems enthusiastic. They're getting crazy in a contract year from Jalen Brunson. Um, he's been unreal, and then you he got. Might, he, 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 I said like, he might get that twenty in a year. <laughs> yeah, that's, he might yeah, get that. Yeah, they kind of got. They gonna get stuck with that. And then, like I said, you got Dorian Finney-Smith, a guy that was under the radar this whole time, and Jason Kidd embraces him in a different way that Rick wouldn't. Um, his defense is pride. Like you got to think about it, man. They the fourth. Um, I think they're fourth in defense right now. I, did, I was looking at that before. I just, they are yes, they're literally. They are eighth in the league, and they are on defensive rating. They are fourth in the league in defense yeah. last two weeks, number two. Yeah, and think about this. They're <laughs> going to be the only team in the NBA. I think in, I had to go pull it up, but in a history standpoint, they're going to be the only team that never had, that may be in the top five of defensive rating not have a, any guy on the all-NBA defensive team. So that's think about crazy. that. That's crazy. So That's crazy. So, yeah, man, I think it's just number one thing has got to be culture. These boys are having fun, man, and Jason Kidd is – I think Jason Kidd learned from his mistakes. And I think that that year with the Lakers, <coughs> him sitting there watching LeBron, watching certain guys being around Phil Handy, I think it changed that to And like I said, he, me and him would talk a lot. Me and Kidd would talk pregame. And I would, him when he was on the Lakers, and he was saying that if Luca ever gets with a coach that can teach him how to play all ball, yeah. it may be a whole different aspect of his game. That that's something that that's hilarious because that's something I think me and being King's been on here for a year and a half yeah. talking about that's the next key to him playing. Oh, yeah. that, that's he's like buying in. Luckily he's buying in. And like I said, when you got guys that are stepping up like Jalen Brunson, you haven't even got Tim Hardaway to even get into his form yet. He's been pretty bad this year. And 
like I said, they got guys stepping up out of nowhere. I mean, like Maxie's still doing what he does. Dwight Powell has a weird game every once in a while where he shows up. <laughs> like they, it's a bunch of honestly, it's a bunch of cast offs. And I remember Jace Kidd said that in, in a nice way. Outside of Luka and KP, these some of these guys won't even be on NBA rosters probably. They may be the 12th or 13th guy, and these guys get valuable minutes. And like I said, Marquise Chris is another guy who is a great story. I mean, went on two 10-day contracts, ended up getting a two-year deal. So you know, yeah, don't, don't don't remind me and Kings about that. Uh having a <laughs> having a having a, a center that is, you know. <laughs> yeah, I got DeAndre. We we had to go through DeAndre some years. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm, I'm going to let Kings tap in here about, about these Mavs. So far. I want him to also tap in about Jason Kidd. Um, you guys caught a lot of flack with the higher, the Mavericks. And, uh, you know, some of it, you know, probably justified given the, you know, Jason Kidd's past, you know, it is fair when you have a company that's, you know, based on a lot of sponsorship and advertising, it, it, it is fair to raise up. So that was obviously uh, an issue. But speaking on the basketball side of it, you know, I, I've heard Kings talk about, we both said, for all of Vogel's faults, his defensive principles may be, you know, just one of the best in recent memory, honestly. And, you know, I think you made a good point about Kia possibly picking up on that. Just, um, Kings, just how, how do you feel about, you know, kind of on the outside looking in with the Mavericks and what, you know, Jason Kidd's been able to do to, in your eyes? Uh, you know, I've always thought to myself that, um, that kid kind of got, at least just, if we're just going to keep it from coaching. I always thought to myself, he kind of got more um, unnecessary blame than he should have got for that Milwaukee tenure. Um, because if you actually look at what Milwaukee was doing before he got there, they weren't very competitive. That's what they're Thank you. They were a bad team. Like, I remember when Kid took over, like, next thing you know, they're competing. They're going to the playoffs. You know, they're they're having guys like Henson, you know, young, young Chris, young Giannis on the OJ Mayo and they competing like they was competing like every night uh, going to the playoffs and competing in the playoffs. You know, they weren't an easy out when they went there. So it was just confusing to me. Cause I'm like, yo, like if you looked at Milwaukee before he got there, they weren't good. Like they weren't a good team. And when he got there, they were a playoff team. You know what I'm saying? For all the people who say he messed up Giannis and all that Giannis got exponentially better every year. <laughs> Jason Kidd. Like you look at statistically what happened to Giannis. Every single year, he got better. And I had a bunch of Bucks fans say that was in spite of Jason Kidd. And I'm just like, how do you know that, really? Like, you're not – because, like, if you ask Giannis, he'll, put, he'll vouch for Jason Kidd to the end. Like, Giannis has nothing but good words for Jason Kidd. Like, that's – like, you know, him and Jason Kidd had a great relationship just together. He probably feels like he owes a lot to Jason Kidd for believing in him and playing him those minutes for him to get better – and, and, you know, and believing he could actually be a star in this league. So it's like, you know, when you look at accomplishments Jason Kidd had, it just kind of, it kind of rubbed. I mean, I, I get because it's past, but it's just, just from a basketball standpoint, it kind of didn't make sense to me how much people looked at him as being a bad coach. Because I get it, he had blunders, you know, like the little uh, incident 
with <laughs> spilling it off the drink on it. You know, hey, he, that, hey that's that East Oakland, <laughs> man. That East Oakland. <laughs> yeah, you know, yes, he, he has some funny wonders, man. But it's like just from the uh, success of the Bucks when he was there, I thought that he was just catching too much back. But you know, obviously he left. You know, Coach Buck came in, and the Bucks took another step. Okay, I get it. It was kind of similar to the Mark Jackson thing, right? Where he uh, built the Mark Jackson built the culture, and Kerr comes in, then they take off. It was like Jason Kidd built the culture for the Bucks. Then you know, you know, um, then uh, Coach Buck comes in, and then they take off. So it's kind of similar to that. But uh, you go fast forward to the Lakers. Um, you know, you know, for all the issues with the Lakers offensively that first year. Uh, we were still a top three offense, I believe, top three or top five offense, you know, even playing two bigs, you know what I mean? Having LeBron be the, basically the only playmaker, we still had, we still were a top uh, three, five offense. And that was Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was the, the offensive coach. Um, you know, basically the reason why Ty Lue didn't take the job was because he expected Jason Kidd to be his replacement. Uh, he, Ty Lue didn't feel secure enough being a long-term coach. So uh, he didn't take that job because the Lakers really wanted kid to be coach at some point. Um, Vogel winning the championship, I think, threw a wrench into a lot of plans uh, because it's like you kind of had to keep him because he's a championship coach. So you had to give him that yep. respect. So, you know, obviously, kid wasn't going to stick around forever because he had had success. So then, you know, when the Mavs job opened up, they, they, they got him there. And, you know, it was funny because, you know, I I, I was actually kind of shocked that Luca and Carlisle had a bad relationship only because Carlisle, like the way Luca played in Carlisle was like that was that was like what you want as a young as a young player. Right. Because you got the ball a lot. You know, what I mean, you're getting your numbers. Max contract is on the way guaranteed. So it's like it was just weird to me that, you know, even though Luca was getting featured a lot, even though uh, the offense was running through him a lot that him and Carlo were clashing. Like, that was very – that caught me off guard. Like, I honestly, I was very shocked when I heard that. Yeah, and the article was wild. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that was wild to hear. Yeah, the thing is, man, like, with the Carlisle situation, which was interesting, I think I first realized it when they played Phoenix. It was a game they played Phoenix. And you have to go back, and it's, it's probably on YouTube, but you can search it on Twitter. They played Phoenix. And right – and this is a game where they had the lead and things were happening – you can sort of see the vibe was really bad. And this is when there was no fans in the arena, right? So you can right. hear. I was literally sitting probably about 10 rows up from courtside, right? Because there was the COVID thing and they wouldn't let anybody close to them. And there was no fans. So I could hear communication. I'm hearing everybody talk. Tell you, I'm like, the thing was this. Right before that Devin Booker hit that game when it shot, Luca walked over. And I can hear him say, we need to foul. And Rick sort of gave him a look like, all right, little dude, get out the way. And, and I knew if Devin Booker hit that shot, it's going to be hell. Devin Booker hits that shot. Luca just says, he just goes on a cussing tire. You can hear it because he's under the goal. So the mic is boom. The boom mic is going. <laughs> you can hear everything he said. He he literally didn't say anything about the dude's wife and kids, but he went everywhere on Rick. And I remember at that point, so I knew it was bad. It was bad. Because there was a respect thing there at that point. And, like, for Luca, the, the thing that a lot of people didn't realize is that he he's used to playing team ball. He don't really – I remember asking right. him one time. The Olympics, the Olympics bro, the style. Olympics. Yeah, the Olympics. Yeah. in Europe, he, that's, that's the type of style yeah. he's playing. I asked Luca one time, like, his rookie year, do you like playing with the ball down? He said, no, I get tired all the time. He said, mm -hmm. after a while he gets old, he said, yeah, I can score 30 a night, but 
Well, another guy's not getting involved. It's tough. So, yeah, him and Rick had a bit. It was really – I hate to tell people this, and, and it's not to shame Rick, but, man, it, it, he wasn't the only player. Chris Dallas Porzingis had issues. Oh, yeah, that, I was going to say, that one was yeah. noticeable. That one was noticeable. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he it was bad, man. But, you know, like I said, the Jason Kidd thing, him getting hired, it was rough in the beginning because I was one of those people that, you know, understood the math situation, right, with the, the past issues with Tadina. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Different things. And it was sort of like – Bad timing, but I had told everybody I have a, I'm pretty cool with Jason Kidd. Now, um, you know, those are things that we talked about in the past. And he would always say that his relationship and everything that he's had in his life that is he's changed. And I can sort of tell by his mannerisms and different things. You know how he could just peep game on people and stuff. And I just told I remember Jason would talk the way I talked to him, and he just tell me he was remorseful. And a lot of Mavs fans were on this like. Oh man, we just got out of this and we 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 cleaned up the organization. We hired this dude and it was rough, man. If you was here in Dallas, man, during that time, you saw how Twitter was. Imagine what it was like to be here locally. <laughs> if you said anything good about Jason Kidd, you were considered oh, yeah. a bad guy as well. So, you know, Jason understood the 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 issues that he was gonna deal with, but I just think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of Mass fans are apologizing now. Because this dude has done something that Rick couldn't do. And, I mean, he's not the greatest exes in those guys like Rick, right? But he's doing something. I will take his his culture-changing attitude, his way to adapt the players over Rick's exes and those any day. Yeah, you can I, I, I think yeah, I, I think in NBA basketball, exes and those are very important. But I think a lot of people overlook the fact that the people skills and relationship skills are equally as important. Because if you can't motivate or, or galvanize – guys <clears throat> say buy into what you're doing all that stuff becomes moot and i think that is something over obviously i agree with the uh you know the exes nose part offensively the mass still have a long way to go a lot of it is i think they just they just have some uh you know they just have talent deficit you know so at some places so on the wing they can't get thj to you know be consistent you know brunson you know they needed just a little more size on the wings in my opinion um, another shot creator, but when you defend like that, you're going to be in games and win playoff games. So I think, you know, the Mavs have a shot to win a series this year, in my opinion. Um, so what I want to talk about, and I, Kings, just to your point, I think, uh, I think you raised this up earlier, Kings, the same way that players develop, I think coaches do too. Remember Jason Kidd went straight from playing to a head coaching job. Like there was no type of, there was no type of, you know, uh, first chair, second chair. He went straight from the, the playing to the guy. So I think, you know, like King said, he did a hit a couple rough patches on the way, but it's kind of odd, man. When players speak of you that glowing, you at every step, like everywhere he leaves the Mavs, Lakers, even the Nets players talk about how much they like Jason Kidd, despite, you know, the stuff he did. I think that, that does mean something as far as a coach. So, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does. What I want to talk about. So I mentioned some things about shortcomings, Chris, in your opinion, what do you think the Mavs need to reach another level, which is that, that Phoenix golden state, you know, Memphis level. What do you think they need to get there? It's a simple thing. You need a star. You need to start in the pair next to you. Look, I love KP, right? Uh-huh. I think KP has the potential, but the thing is you can't rock with potential every year. <laughs> like, like I love KP, man. I'm probably going to get killed for saying this, right? But, you know, the thing with KP is this. Look, he can give you 20 and 10, right? 
But the problem is this, you don't know if it's going to be every night or if he's going to mm-hmm. be healthy enough. Um, when you look at the dogs, men of the West, even the East, when you look at like, I know the Lakers are struggling, but if AD is healthy and LeBron's LeBron, that's a one-two punch you can't match. When they played the Clippers last year or the year before, you had to deal with Kawhi, but guess what? You had to pray that Paul George didn't show up. And when he did show up, everything went bad. So uh, <laughs> and you got Phoenix with Devin and Devin and CP, and then you got Aiden as the third and Mikael Britt. Like, they need talent. They need star talent. For me, they got to do what they did in 2009 when they got Jason Kidd. I mean, I know Jason Kidd was older, but the thing is they had to get rid of that nucleus because they were sticking with that same sort of team for three or four years, and it just didn't work. Now, they did get out the first round. And for me, I just, like, you know, I asked Mark this before. I don't think there's any way you can walk into this year's playoffs with that exact same roster you've had for three years. And to me, I, they don't have the picks because, unfortunately, KP's trade sort of took that away. Now, they can do later more. But to me, I mean, look, you got to get a team that's desperate that may be in some trouble. Like, hey, I, I'm not saying you can end up with Jalen Brown, but if Jalen Brunson is who everybody seems to want right now because he's going to be a cheap point guard in the next few years and he's actually playing really good. Look, man, see if Boston wants KP and him. You may have to give up a couple picks. You may have to figure it out, but you need to start playing to put next to Luca, man. Because like at the end of the day, you can't just have Luca and a hope. And the thing is, this Luca can't see the problem with the Mavs is Luca can't have a bad night. Like, look, man, when you think about uh, Golden State's history, like Steph could have had a bad night because Clay would show up, right? Or Draymond did his part. Or even when they got KD, you knew, like, look, somebody's gonna have a bad night, but somebody's gonna show up with the Mavericks. You guys are watching good enough to say, yeah, if Luca have a bad night. Boy, they in trouble because you got to worry about Tim Hardaway even trying to score 20, right? So, you know, I just think at the end of the day, you got to get a star. And this is something that this this organization, as me covering this team, being a fan as well, they have never been able to achieve, even with Dirk. Like, they 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 got guys around him that were perfect fit, and they just right at the right time did it correctly. But you need star, you need star players, man. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I can't. It's scary because you already know this. Y'all know better, man. Like, these young dudes, man, after so long, they're going to get tired of playing like this, man, with with just a, some okay guys. And you got to worry. Like, you can't take Luca like Dirk. And I think Mark understands that. Like, Luca ain't Dirk. Luca's favorite player is LeBron James. So he watched LeBron James in Cleveland, right? He understands that, man, if you don't give me the talent, I can go somewhere else. You know, <laughs> hey, L.A. in a few years may be calling the name because, you know, they may still have A.D. around and LeBron may be well off and retired. And the next thing you know, he knows he can go team up with somebody else. So I think they just need a star player. You need to get a star player, build around them, get some more 3 and D guys. But they got to find somebody. And, like, I, I just hate that the fact that we wouldn't – we probably won't never get the KP that we envisioned, the guy that was in New York that one year, even though he's playing his best year probably in basketball. But – yeah, they need a star player. So what's what's their cap situation next year? Um, it's, it's horrible. You you got think about it. You got KP on the max. Tim Hardaway's getting you 20, 18 to twenty. And if you pay Jalen Brunson, then you got Lucas' new deal kicking in. Oh yeah. You're, I, I think I, I think THJ might be gone for a, a pick or something to get just just for some cap space. I think. Yeah, and the problem is, do you want to? So my thing is this, and I got I got killed this week for saying it, but I love Jalen Brunson, right? But in a real world, you got to be careful with Jalen Brunson. Yes, he's he's proven in Villanova. He's proven in the NBA he can be a a very good player, maybe a fringe All Star. 
But if you're the Mavericks, you don't want to fall down that rabbit hole that you did with Tim Hardaway because he's hot in a contract year. Because I remember the Jalen Bruns in the playoffs last year that scored five points a game. And that's the one that sticks with me the most. And to me, what you got to worry about is the Mavericks is what if you get in a situation where you made the playoffs, Jalen's playing good, and you got to pay him 20. That means you're going to have him for three or four years at 20. You got Tim Hardaway for another three to four years at 20. You got KP at his 30, 35, and then you got Luke on the max. You can't do anything with that. Huh. You still got Dwight Powell and Maxi on crazy deals. Yes. Woo. Yeah. And Mark Cuban got it. <laughs> I actually, there's actually a couple moves I like for uh, Dallas to look at. Um, I think, I think obviously the best, the best move is Jalen Brown. I definitely think that's the move that, you know, you pair Luca with that, that wing talent. It's like, that's always what I've, I've always told Maples. I always thought Luca would be best with a wing three and D star type talent. You know, I always told Maples I always wanted to see Luca and Jason Tatum together. I always felt like that would be a crazy tandem huh. to watch play together because uh, they both cover each other's weaknesses so well. But I actually like, I, I think this could be done, um, barring how the Kings want to sell off. But I actually like a De'Aaron Fox trade to Dallas. Huh. I, I actually think a De'Aaron Fox trade could be good. Because I think you not only do you help Luca Galbaugh, but you give somebody that uh, you give him that rim pressure threat that could take the pressure off Luca, a guy who can get you know 20, 20 to twenty five a night and eight. And I think if you put Darren Fox with a talent like Luca, put him in a, with a shoot the shooting threat that Dallas has, I think you really open up his game <clears throat> to another level, in my opinion. I, I think Darren Fox has too much talent for people to write off. I think that I think the sack situation is, is is causing people to look at him in a certain way. But I, I really like De'Aaron Fox's situations. That's crazy, but because King, as far as De'Aaron Fox, people he's having this bad season. There haven't been four guys in the league finishing at the rim better than him, getting to the rim and finishing at the rim. He's, like, he's too talented. Yes, I said it's like it's talented. like even in a down as quote unquote down year, like nobody down can stand in front of him. Still, and he's in a still 21, 21 five on forty six percent in the yeah. down year. No, I mean like. They need explosive guy. Yeah, and and that's why I like I like him for the Magic because that's that explosive rim pressure threat that's gonna really I think really open up the offense. So I like him and I like J- the Jalen wing threat. Um, I obviously uh, someone like I don't think someone like Ben would do good because I think you need a scorer with Luca. I don't think you need that type oh, of facilitator yeah, yeah, yeah. because Luca is basically the facilitator. Uh, maybe another bargain type of discount guy would be a CJ McCollum. I think if you keep uh, Kristaps Porzingis and get off, you know, Brunson and THJ and picks for CJ McCollum, I think you could have a CJ, Luca, KP. That could be a pretty good, you know, little trio. I think that could be sneaky. Um, you know, obviously, if you can't get a younger type. I think for you, I, I for you guys, I think pairing Luca with another young, talented, dynamic guy, a Jalen Brown, a De'Aaron Fox, I think that's the way to go. I really like those two. Yeah, there's a fatuation with, um, you know, one guy that outside of those guys on Sacramento is Buddy Hill. Buddy, he lives in Dallas in the offseason. I've seen him work out with Luca and all. I've seen all these things, right? These stories and stuff. And, you know, Buddy's been always in the hot rumor for the Mavericks, right? And, you know, what's crazy is when we talk about 3 and D guys or just somebody that can get you 15 to 18 a game, they had that in Harrison Barnes. And now Harrison Barnes actually fits this team. 
when he was on his team originally, he didn't fit because you didn't have Luca, right? You just had a, a bunch of older guys, and it was like, hey, you better figure this out. But Harrison Barnes today fits this team. So I think Sacramento has a couple guys like Rashawn Holmes. I think if they're trying to get rid of Rashawn Holmes, the Mavs are definitely in the business of trying to find a five. Um, that's that's a big issue. I love Dwight Powell, but yeah, it ain't working. Him and Max, like, look, I love him and Max, and they're the greatest guys in the world. But, but I, I, I'm I'm scared of the day when they got to go play Phoenix and Flowers with DeAndre Ayton. Or if the Lakers get right, that's a scary matchup because I don't think there's anybody in the world that's gonna stop AD on the Mavericks. They they would have to. I don't know what they would do, but I like De'Aaron Fox. I think that'd be cool. The only thing with De'Aaron is gonna be this. I, I would love to see it. I, I know he would, but I would love to see if he's going to buy into the idea of being the number two guy with Luca sort of being the main focus on offense. I, I think defensively he'll buy in, though. I, I think the thing with that is that's where Jason Kidd's. Yeah. I'm a Hall of Fame point guard. You need to listen to me. I think that's where that cachet comes in. So that's something you could probably bank on. But Mavericks, man, got to give them credit. Uh, I, I did not expect yeah. this. One. I thought they were going to be a lower-seeded team, but we'll see how they uh, keep going. Big win against the hot Grizzlies tonight, second time in, in, in the last, you know, week or so that they got them. So let's see what goes on from there. Um, moving on real quick, I want to get your thoughts on. So ended up the NBA suspended um, suspended Grayson Allen for that hit on Caruso fractured his wrist out six to eight weeks. Um, vast majority of people think is I've seen a lot of Bucks fans defended as a basketball play, which is wild to me, especially when you look at Grayson Allen's history. Um, that really sucked for Chicago, I think, because they're their best defensive players now out for eight weeks. Lonzo's already gone for four to six weeks because of the knee. Um what did you guys think about that play? I'll start with Kings and go to, to you, Hendo. What, what did y'all feel about, you know, that play in the heat of the moment and, you know, the fallout? You know, for me, I didn't think it was – at first, I didn't think it was too, of a, a, too much of a dirty play. I thought it was a hard foul because he was trying to make a play on, on, the, on the attacking uh, player, a fast break. But when, uh, when you look at the fact he did try and check on Caruso – uh, some of the, I guess, his facial expression when he was on the bench, and then obviously you pair it with his history, then it just becomes one of those like, okay, that <laughs> wasn't, you know, that wasn't just a typical hard foul. That was a bad intentions type of play, and uh, as a result, Caruso ended up getting a pretty serious injury. He'll he'll make a recovery, but having to get surgery because a notorious uh, dirty player did a dirty play, didn't bother to check up on you, you know, wasn't really remorseful about it, you know, it's, you kind of have to give a guy a suspension at that point, right? You don't want to because, you you know, you don't want to make it seem like you can't, you know, make plays on the ball. But in this situation, given the history, given the fallout from after, how he responded after, I think it was warranted. Chris? Yeah, for me, um, when I saw the play at first, like he said, um, I thought it was clean, I want to say. But then when you realize who it was and then I saw the other arm get grabbed and he just looked like he threw him in midair to the ground. I was like, here we go. And to me, I didn't know the severity of Caruso's injury. I knew he got hurt, but I was like, all right, maybe he has a sprain something. He'll be out for a couple of games. When we're talking weeks, um, to me, that – 
unfortunately in this, and I've asked NBA players about Grayson Allen before, and it's one of those things. You love him when he's on your team. You hate him when he's not. <laughs> he's your best friend when he's on your team. He's the guy you want to ride with, but he's the worst to play against. And to me, it reminds me of when Carl Malone was throwing them elbows back in the day, right? And then he finally, Ken Martin, if y'all remember, Ken Martin locked him across the head and he gave him a cut or whatever. He, made, he messed him up. And to me, I hate to say this, I don't want to promote violence in the NBA, but somebody's going to have to go there. Like the OG, some OG is going to come around and say, all right, bro, you done done it too much. Because to me, you know, he, he line steps. You know, he line steps. He knows what he can do. And it doesn't help because the whole Duke thing and how we right. felt about how we felt about JJ Reddick. And he sort of fits in that line, you know, being a white guy and he's getting away with all this stuff. I think that at the end of the day, the severity of the injury, it should have been looked at a little bit more, especially with his reputation. And to me, this is nothing for him. Missing one game, that ain't nothing. He was going to take a night off anyway after that, right? And now he gets to rest a little bit and he gets to come back and do it more. But to me, we need the old, some OG to stand up and say, hey, bro, can't do that no more. And I'm not saying go out there to hurt the dude, but maybe give him a hard foul or two to say, hey, we don't play them games. And it sucks for the Bulls because this Bulls team has been playing really well. You lose Lonzo, you got Zach Levine hurt. Now you lose Caruso. And guards out. Yeah, yeah. You, all your free agent signings. Think about that. All their free outside of the Rosen and Levine. All their major moves this year. Guys are hurt. So I hope that Cruz recovers. But I'm not a big fan of the foul. Like I said, it's just it's Grayson Allen. I, I would I say I would never say I would want him on the Mavericks because I know everywhere he's been, he's been a key guy. But you got to stop it, man. And it's unfortunate because it's, it's no place for that. Like at the end of the day. I preach about how we overrate a lot of the 80s and 90s tactics of fouls. Like we're playing rugby out there instead of actual <laughs> basketball. I've had coaches tell me, you don't play basketball with your hands. You play with your feet and eyes. Last I heard. So, yeah, man, it was a dirty play. I wish that the NBA would have spent them a little longer. Um, but at the end of the day, it is the NBA. And I'm pretty sure if it was somebody else, y'all know what I'm saying, it would have been different. Yeah, that was uh, – yeah. I would do. I thought it was dirty. Though. I thought the initial, like play, like the initial force. Okay, you try to swipe the ball, but you know, watching the, you know, re- everything's looked worse on replay. To be fair, uh, but that second swipe where it looked like he pulled him to the ground, I think yeah. that's where I was like, okay, this 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 is a you know a flagrant two. I think you can't ignore the history given the going back to college. That kind of has to factor in, and I, I think he got. I think you you put a guy down for you know, two months and get one game suspension. Uh, you got off, you know, pretty easy. And I'm surprised the Bucks Twitter account put that. We disagree, but we accept like that is wild to me that they like kind of stand behind that. Um, when, you know, I'm not saying guys do this. We don't know. It's like, you know, this guy's livelihood, but you got a guy who goes in the basket recklessly every night, you know, with his head down. You don't know what could happen. You know what I mean? Y'all takes to somebody having a bad night or feeling a certain type of way. You know, God forbid, you know. Um, but it's just it's just no place for that when you take a step back and say, hey, this is how guys, you know, make their living to possibly put that in jeopardy. I think that's, you know, at the end of the day, is something you gotta, you know, stop to consider. But it is what it is, man. Uh he's down for one game. Bulls are missing their best defensive guard for for two months. Team already struggling on defense, so uh, we'll see. They, they got pretty hound tonight against the uh, the Magic, so whew, we'll see what happens. Um, 
talking about King's favorite subject now, these Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, <laughs> everybody, man. Hey, Thanks so for the Lakers, though, legend they they putting out legendary spaces, Kyle. <laughs> legendary. legendary, legendary. So, um, it was the same old, same old Lakers <clears throat> knocked off a, a, a struggling, a, a bad team, pretty much rough start, but then ended up dominating the 38 Magic. Get a day off, play Miami Heat, fall into a huge hole early, and they do claw back to make it a game late, to be fair. Uh, I think Miami kind of let the foot off the gas after going up by 23. Uh, they make it close late. Um, they lose. Road trip is hectic. You have 76ers, Nets, Hornets, finish with the Hawks. Uh, man, the thing is, I guess with the Nets, you don't get Kyrie. You don't get Kyrie and Harden because it's a home game. Or Kyrie or KD because it's a home game and KD is out. But uh, – those are all pretty tough teams, maybe except the, Haw- the Hawks are struggling. But um, after that Pacers game, uh, just nothing's going to move me off what this team needs to do. It, it needs to be, I think, that 2018 fire sale the Cavs had when it was all going. That, that team had a better record than this, and they still did a fire sale at the, at the All-Star break. As I think the writing's on the wall. Whenever the, the Lakers play a competent team, it's just so – it's just not competitive for large stretches of the game. Like, they don't even compete. Like, from the tip, this game was nasty. Like, Miami jumped out. They defended. They executed. They got wide open three after wide open three. Uh, the Lakers' best offensive players don't defend. The best defensive players have holes and limitations offensively that make it tough. It's just like trying to pit square pegs in the, you know, circular holes. It's just – it's just uphill, Frank Vogel. I think he's really a stuck in his ways coach. He doesn't like to adapt on the fly, and I think that may be his downfall. He likes to plan things out. I'm going to do it this rotation, this rotation, and he's not going to coach the game in front of him. He's a he's a planner, and I think his uh, lack of ability to to change things on the fly is going to doom him this season. Whether the Lakers choose to do it or the, or, or that they, they just don't advance where he gets fired. So it's just a lot going wrong at one time. And, you know, I, I'm not saying it's cooked because, you know, LeBron and AD, you, you never know. But that surrounding roster is just so ill-fitting to what the Lakers stood for in 2020, which was defense, hard-nosed play, timely shot-making, good decision-making. They just don't have any of that outside of a few players consistently. So – it is it's dark for me right now, Kings. Yeah, I, I, I told everybody, man, don't <laughs> don't talk to me about the Lakers till after the deadline. <laughs> I said this, Chris. I've said this since the beginning of the year. I saw this coming a mile away. I said you're gonna have to do a fire sale. <laughs> I, I watched the team preseason. I watched them early on the season. The way they gave up those leads that done, I'm like, you're gonna have to fire sell this team, bro. That is, this team is not going to come. This team is just not going to compete with the top teams in the NBA. Like, it's just not going to. Like, it was just way too many holes relying. I'm, I'm like, I, I still like Ariza, but just he's too, like I told Maples, he's too old for you to play for extended time. He's a guy who you bring off the bench when, you know, when your starting wing has been working his butt off, and you bring a guy like Ariza who's a veteran 
nice size, playing for like 15, maybe 20 max to come in and then you still to still keep up the pressure with fresh legs and using his bet IQ. He's not the guy who should be starting, you know, who should be your starting wing threat. So it's like I coming in, I knew they needed to just every single young asset they had, if they wanted to win this season, every single young asset they had had to just go. Every single the asset they had on table had to go. I mean, they already set themselves back with the Russell Westbrook trade. So you're already working at a deficit. But if you're if, if you're the Lakers, right, if, this is really what it comes down to. If you want to compete this year, you have to fire yourself. You just have to find a way. <laughs> if you want to accept the fact that you messed up, you're just going to leave it on the stars to do as best they can and reset in the offseason, you know, at this point, I feel like that's the smarter thing to do, but it's just not going to go down well with the fans. So it's like it's just really a tough place. But I think Coach Ricky G had a good point before he left Twitter. He said, Coach Pol- uh, Rich, uh, Polinka doesn't look like he has any basketball convictions. You know what I mean? Like, what's his philosophy? You know what I'm saying? What's, what's he going to hang his head on? Because if he had philosophy, you could understand, okay, this is what you expect Polinka to do. Like, you know, Danny Ainge, you expected him to just hoard all his assets and be like, we'll go down with the shit. You know what I mean? But it's like he had a philosophy, right? He had a, he's not, he wasn't going to go out there to make a big splashy move. He was just going to keep building on margins and keep keeping all his assets in. But Polinka, he doesn't have an identity. You know what I mean? He doesn't have an identity in terms of what he's going to do to build his team. You know, so it's like, <laughs> When, when you're in a tough spot like this, you need a, a front office. You need a guy who's going to be like, hey, you know, what are our options here? This is our plan. You know what I mean? For this year, this year's a lost cause, so we're going to try and just get the best we can and then try and reload in the offseason or, hey, you guys want to go for it this year? Well, this is what we have to do. This is how we're going to have to reshuffle the team if we want to go for it this year. But you have to have that conversation. And what makes it even worse Again, people just don't want to – people want to shrug off, but this is a bad thing and it's always going to hinder them, is they're cheap. And I keep telling people, you can't win if you're cheap. You just can't do it. Because then when you make mistakes, you can't correct your mistakes because you don't want to because you don't want to spend the money. See, if you have the money and you're willing to spend and you're willing to swallow your mistakes, then it's like, okay, we made this error, we're going to move off of this, and we're going to do whatever it takes to correct it. But when you're cheap, you don't do that. You just kind of just keep rolling with like what you're doing. You get Stanley Johnson continuous 10-day contracts. People all the time are saying, why does Stanley Johnson have 10-day contracts? Because I told you they're cheap. They don't want to pay anybody. Like we've been saying this for since the beginning. That's why Caruso's not on the team, bro. We've been saying this for months. I don't know why you keep making excuses up. It's clearly in front of you. They are cheap. They're making mistakes. The front office don't know what they're doing. I just don't know what to keep telling people at this game. It's like everybody's complaining about things. I told them from the beginning of the season that people try to get on me for. That's why I just don't even talk anymore because, like, now all of you are panicking. And I told you from the get-go this was going to happen. I told all of you, don't worry. Don't give yourself high blood pressure. Wait for to see what they're going to do at the deadline. This team is awful. They're not going to win until they correct their errors that they made in terms of team fit. Everybody kept trying to fool themselves, kept trying to find any little small hope that they could. The fact of the matter is if you get beat, 
by, badly by playoff teams, you are not a good team. Because you know what? The LeBron teams that used to mess up in the regular season, they lost to scrubs. They're doing what the Milwaukee Bucks is doing, where they would go in, overlook a bum team, lose. But you know what? They played a playoff team. They 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 showed up for that game, and they ran them off the floor. I'll never forget him and Kevin Love went to OKC on Sunday after they were like playing the, the worst stretch of hoop. They went to OKC against KD and Russ, ran them off the floor. No Kyrie. They beat them by 20-plus. That's what good teams do. They beat other good teams because they actually care about competing against the best. This team can't do that, so they're not good. That's the problem. <laughs> Kendo, let us know from the outside looking in, man. No, nah, man, I mean, he, he pretty much spoke on it. And, you know, the thing is this, man, you got to look at what they've lost from a veterans leadership side and – just core guys. I mean, we talked about Jason Kidd, right? Um, I remember Phil Handy saying how much they would miss Jared Dudley. I know that sounds crazy, but Jared Dudley left that team as well, which ends up on the Mavericks as assistant mm-hmm. coach, by the way. Um, they missing a lot. It's a lot of guys that they're missing right now. I mean, they brought back Rondo and then they let him go again, right? So, you know, I just think that, like, it was a bad built team. Like, look, you when you talk about like building teams, like 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 you said, the, like you said as well, Jason. Like, how do you? What, what's the direction here? Because you you bought in Russell Westbrook, looks good on two K, but in real life, it just ain't gonna work. It doesn't and, look good on two K either. I can attest to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It probably don't even work on two K <laughs> for the most part. Because I mean, my thing is this: you just gotta hope you find a sucker to take Westbrook's contract. And look. All I know is this. Every year I've said Russell Westbrook's contract is untradeable. Some team finds they, there's a sucker team to take it. Look, Washington took it. Houston took it. Lakers took it. Somebody else is going to do it. Maybe it's Sacramento once they get desperate to sell some tickets again. They'll <laughs> take it. But you just got to get the right guys. I mean, you don't – at the end of the day, it's not about the superstars. And I think the problem is this. Palenka wants to make the big splash. That's why he got Russ. That's why he got mellow. It, it looked good, and maybe LeBron is in his ear. And what I've always been told is this: never listen to your superstar player when it comes time to get guys, because you're gonna you're gonna end up like this. And to me, yeah, AD's been hurt. You're getting LeBron at an unusual premium in year 19, but this team stinks. They stink. <laughs> like you let Caruso walk for nickels and dimes. You let him walk for nickels and dimes. But now you're trying to find another cruise on 10 different guys and you can't do it. So man, that man. And it doesn't help. It doesn't help that the fan base just lets like, and that's why I don't like talking about it because I've literally seen people try and say that, Oh, Reeves is a better value than Cruz. I'm like, like, I just don't even say anything anymore. You're talking about. (laughs) I I remember being, so when they played the Mavs earlier this year, and this is when everybody was right. Reeves hit the game winning three. Everybody's going crazy. See, we don't need Caruso. And I told somebody, I said, man, maybe if they play Utah every night, they will win. They will win every game because, it, like, I swear to y'all, when they beat Utah the other night, about a week ago, right? So, okay, maybe they got a new leaf and they moved over. And here comes Indiana. Cass LeVert turns into LeBron. You know, some, you know, they, they it's, it's, it's a never-ending thing. And to me, Frank Vogel's stuck. He's stuck. And I tell people all the time, the worst thing about – Coaching like LeBron, you got one year. You got one year. And look, look, you you got to know when you take the job to coach LeBron James that, hey, you got one year to get this right. And if you fail, it's over. And to me, like, it's you got to move on from that this offseason. Let's case something happens differently, you got to move on from that. I'm not saying anybody else needs to go, but, like, Russ has to go, right? THT, who, boy, if you didn't ask Lakers, I, I remember being on timeline, I thought – 
man, he was the next coming of Scottie Pippen or somebody, the way he was described. Man, and- look. <laughs> man, look. So, you know what? Thank you, Chris. Let, let, let's go there. So, the THT situation, Kings, what, what, where are you with, with that? Because you got these people, you raised two good scenarios, actually. You said the Lakers need to stand pat and hold on to whatever young assets they have left and just chalk this season up and hope that AD and LeBron can bottle some magic, Russ stays out the way or, you know, starts to play better and they try to maximize this season. Or they push in what little chips they have to the table, no THT for salary, none. Uh, that first-round pick down the line when LeBron's going to be 42 years old and possibly out the league. So wh- where are you with THT? Just, you know, I real quick, I just, he just hasn't taken the leap that was expected. Um, the the thing I could compare it to is what the Pelicans expected from the kid Alexander Walker. It's like we got rid of guys to give you this much or more on your plate. We need you to step up and become this, and he just can't do it. So now, as a result, the team is a lot more worse off because of the role that you freed up for him to step into. He hasn't been able to rise to the occasion. And I think that's what THT – I'll throw him a little bit of bail. I don't think it's an ideal situation for him. I think he needs to be on the ball more. On my rebuttal to that is what team is going to put Taylor Horton Tucker on the ball majority of the time? You're not going to find any team that's going to do it. He has to figure out how to play off the ball to earn more on the ball opportunity. So that's kind of where I am with TST. I think taking teams will definitely put him on the ball more because, like, you know, how many on ball options do they have? You know what I'm saying? So that's my thing with THT. He's he's a player because he's very raw. He's very young. He has to be on the OKC. He has to be on the Detroit Pistons. You know what I'm saying? In Indiana, he has to be on a team that's going to get him touches because he needs to develop and he needs to develop through playtime. Like right now, he doesn't have a left hand. And it's like he knows that he doesn't have a long leash because the Lakers are in win now. So he's not trying to develop his left hand in the game. But he needs to be on a team where he can – be okay with losing the game and understanding he's not, it's not nothing going to happen to him. And so he can take these risks so he can develop in game. So with me with THT, I'm still, you know, I've always thought he was going to be a, a starter. You know what I mean? Never had him being a star type guy, but I had him being a good quality star. And I still think he's going to be that in this, in the NBA. He's super young. He's not even, what is he? He's, did he barely turn 21? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he barely turned 21. Come on, man. He barely turned 21. Still has a lot of raw talent, you know, that he could develop down the line. So it's like he just needs to be in the right situation. And like I said, it's just not L.A. You know what I mean? He just was never going to fit what they need. And when they – the thing with this, the, this is the funniest thing. This is the funniest thing with THT. Had they traded for Buddy Hill and had they kept KCP and Kuzma, THT would look way better. Because now those guys actually fit his play style. They're more off ball, catch and shoot cutters. Now he gets to be more on the ball more comfortably, right? And this guy spacing the floor. The minute they trade for us, they doomed him. And that was my thing. That was my thing with people. Because people are like, oh, you need to keep Chase over Caruso. You when you trade for us, you doomed any other on ball guy that was not LeBron. Because LeBron obviously gonna need his touches. AD gets featured. And then outside of them, Russ is going to be dominating the ball. So where's the chance for other guys to really get that much of quality looks? And then you bring in a, a whole bunch of other on-ball type of talents like Monk, Nunn. So it's like 
it's just hard for me, bro. It's like, what are they doing? Like, I don't understand. I understand the logic, right? You want to take a plate off LeBron, but then they overdid it. That's the thing with the Lakers. They overdo things. Like, every time they make a correction, they overcorrect. And it's like, bro, you just needed to tweak the margins. You had a championship team. Like, I don't think they, I don't think they understand. They had a title team. All they had to do was correct the margins. Like, that was it. Like, I don't, they, they, they blew themselves up like they were a lottery team. So, so this is where I was at with King. I was like, so the thing, the, obviously, they saw how bad the team looked when AD was down and LeBron was hurt, right? So the reaction was, we got to get players that can do, that can function, you know, if something happens to those guys. My thing is, if something happens to those two, you're not winning. You're not anyway. winning anyway. So why would exactly. You? <laughs> and my thing is, why would you just go out to Russ when you probably could have got DeRozan for cheaper? Obviously, you would have gotten yeah. I think that the DeRozan thing was more the sign and trade cap, hard cap. They didn't want to go into hard cap. So I could, I could understand that. You know what I mean? Because I always I preferred DeRozan over Russ too, but I understood the hard cap implications there. But then my logic was this. If you were going to be cheap anyway, then what the hell are you complaining about the hard cap for? <laughs> <laughs> like, like when you could put, you're gonna be cheap anyway. You know what I mean? So it's like, like I just don't understand what they're doing. Like, I, I really don't understand the direction here. Yeah, I, just I think I, I think it boils down to what you said earlier, kids. Where there's just there's no basketball conviction from the people making decisions. It's more financially driven than basketball driven. For one, which is a death nail in itself. And then secondly, there's just no like, you know, what style of team do we want to put on the floor? Like it's changed drastically every year. LeBron's been here. If you look every year, he's been in the Lakers. The style, the makeup of the team has changed drastically every year from the year one since he's been on there. You know what I mean? So I think they got to figure that out. You know, this next also okay. Sit even sit down with LeBron. LeBron, what type of team do you like? Do we want to put around you, and then kind of go from there? So, man. Speaking of bad fitting rosters or, you know, roster decisions that are mind boggling. The 76ers. So Embiid is probably playing this last few weeks, probably, you know, I don't think there's anybody playing better than Embiid these last few weeks. We talked about this last week, Kings. Um, Philly's on a little bit of a heater, approaching the top, top, point, top part of the Eastern Conference with $35 million just on ice of their cap, which is amazing to me, which is to me helping Embiid's MVP's case, MVP case. Uh, we don't know if this is 100% true. A couple of guys who say they have sources, some of these deals that the 76ers have turned down for Ben Simmons, uh, I'd be looking at Maury kind of side-eyed. Um, there was an issue, there was there was a Sacramento deal with Halliburton. There was one with Fox and Barnes in a couple of picks. And I'm looking at that. Oh, that's not bad. And it comes back. The 76ers were not interested. Um, obviously, I think Maury's in game is a Dame Lillard, uh, even a Harden, even a Harden. There's whispers about Harden not, not being completely sold on continuing with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, what do y'all think Maury's in game is? Because a lot and a lot of it is I'm hearing people who are tapping the 76ers is a lot of that is coming from Embiid because Embiid has his sights set on, you know, a Dame Harden type player, not just role players. Like he wants a star with that spot, not pieces. So 
where are you guys with these decisions that allegedly Stephen have turned down these trades that look like they would kind of elevate that team into the upper echelon of the East in serious still contention. Chris, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I mean, like, look, to me, I thought that Sacramento trade made a lot of sense. I mean, you're yeah. going to get you're getting three star, and to me, this also helps the progression of Tyrese Maxey, who I think highly of. Um, you can put him back in a six man role. You can develop him a little bit more. You may be on the maybe on to unload top Tobias's contract, right? Along with that, um, you need talent on that team. Like, look, I love S dot. S dot is playing. When we talk about, about most improved players, his name. I mean, he's not going to win the award, but he should be on that list. He's averaging like sixteen a game, um, four and three. Absurd, absurd shooting numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's been unreal for them, and um, you you need talent on that team. And if you got, I wish people would take the Milwaukee blueprint because if you looked at Milwaukee's team, oh yeah, Chris Milton came. He was sort of like the out of nowhere like all star, but they picked up Drew Holiday, who was sort of like you knew he was great, but he wasn't Dame Lillard like on that star plateau. But they got the right fit. To me, if I'm Philadelphia right now, with the way the NBA is, the Lakers aren't playing good. The Warriors are sort of being, even though they start off real hot, they sort of come back to life a little bit recently. And, um, you know, with Phoenix, you just beat Phoenix. You may could beat them again if you make the right moves, right, or you could beat them. So if I'm Philly, man, I, I would try to make that kind of move. I mean, if you end up with, like, I like Halliburton, or even if it was Fox, if you end up with those kind of guys I'm talking about, that's talent. And I get it. Daryl Morey is a guy that wants the big fish. Even when he was in Houston, he sort of preached that. Um, they tried many different ways. I mean, they got Dwight Howard on his sort of not last leg, but like his last sort of like all-star form in a way. Um, it was a history with that. They tried to go get Chris Bosh at one time. He's known to do that. So I just think at the end of the day, they got to get with Embiid and say, hey, man, we may not be able to get what you think we can get. Or they could try to do – see, to me, I hope they don't fall in that trap to where they, they're going to pull this offseason stuff where they're going to say, well, you know what? We ain't trading, Ben. We'll wait till the offseason. Then we can go try to go get Dame. And to me, you got to strike when the iron's hot. And to me, this year may be that year where you could do what Milwaukee did last year and win oh. a championship, especially with Embiid. Like, this is the one year where I'm not afraid of Embiid's help. Out of one year, this is why I'm not afraid of because he's playing so well right now. I mean, at an MVP level. I don't think anybody, like you said, last couple of weeks, it's not even a question who's been the best player in the NBA. But once again, I think that they're – Ben, I don't know what they – I asked I asked a couple of assisting GMs in the league about Ben Simmons, and apparently what they told me was this, and one of the teams that may be involved in the trade for him, Maury thinks Ben Simmons is somebody else, I think. I knew and it. I, think, I knew it. And I think, and I think that I – think, I think the fascination of, yeah, this is a young dude and the comparisons there, but I really think he's thinking he's somebody else, and these other teams are not going to bite on it. Now Sacramento, now, Sacramento would do it because, you know, they trying to sell tickets. Like, at the end of the day, yeah. you got a new arena. You got a new arena. You need to put some butts in the seats, right? Like, De'Aaron Fox, great player, but he, he ain't selling tickets. Ben Simmons will sell some tickets because of his name. And to me, I just think Darren Morey is thinking this guy is too high. I don't know what it is. And the assistant GM said it. He literally said, I think when they walk to the table, somebody comes with a deal and that's actually really good. And he thinks Ben Simmons is Michael Jordan. See, Kings, what I've been saying. What I've been saying. Yeah. Like, oh, we nah, all, man, but they, all the players. They got, it. they got it. To me, man, if you woke up and Philly's roster ends up being Fox, Halliburton, Barnes, Seth, and 
you throw in, I mean, in B, you're talking about a, a playoff team that could cause some damage. And you get another playmaker with, with Fox for sure or Halliburton. I mean, then you get rid of those two bad contracts. Like, that's the thing I don't understand. Like, why are you so focused on that? Like, to me, a deal should have been done by now. There is a team out there right now that will give you what you want and what you actually need versus a star player. Like, this whole waiting on Dame, waiting on James sounds cute, but guess what? That ain't going to work in the offseason because you probably could have won a championship this year because Milwaukee could have did the same thing before they got Drew. Right. Yeah, it says they could have just said, Oh, we need to go get another star. We're not gonna do that. So to me, I think they just think Ben is something that a lot of people like a lot of us who watch basketball and a lot of us that are couch GMs don't see. It. And to me, it's unfortunate what's gonna end up happening is MB's gonna end up more unhappy because you didn't do nothing. And then when you do it next year, you end up with say if you do get Dame. What if Dame is not healthy anymore? What if he what if it's at that point? Because Dame is in his 30s, right? Yeah. So to me, like, why would you not want Fox? I'm not saying Dame is Dame is obviously a better basketball player than anybody we just named, but my thing is you need talent. And that's the thing about these NBA teams, like the Mavericks, the 76ers, the Lakers, you need to be in the talent buying game, not trying to mortgage off of who your best player you're trying to trade and hope that you get a lot back. You can't fleece nobody. It's not going to work, especially for the players you're trying to fleece. Trying to fleece KP, Russ, and Simmons is the craziest thing ever. But these teams are trying to do that, the teams that we've been talking about. So, for me, I just look at it like you need to make the trade, and you need to do it now while it's hot because that East is open. Look, man, we don't know what Brooklyn is going to look like. I mean, they're a favorite, but we don't know what they're going to look like health wise. We don't know what Kyrie's at. Kyrie, he's, Harden, not taking, he's not taking the vaccine. He's not, he said he's yeah. not doing it. Yeah, I mean, Chicago, we see, yeah, they got the health issues, but we sort of knew, like, eventually they're going to come back down to earth. And other than that, I mean, look, ain't nobody talking about Atlanta. So my thing is, like, is you Atlanta, make, is Atlanta back to 10th place yet? You know what's crazy? Atlanta can go. They're on a three-game win streak. Okay. They would have to go on a Lily, like a five-game win streak to even be eighth. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They still yeah. fighting with that play in. Yeah, they're 11th. They're 11th. Yeah, I, I feel – thank you, Chris. I feel vindicated because oh, I sit up here I, and people got mad. I was like – they think role player is a bad label. I just said Ben Simmons is a role. He's a very good role player. I said he's a very good role yeah. player. I, the star players don't have scoreless playoff games. I just they just they they, they don't. I see like Draymond Green is not a score. When the Portland Trailblazers said they weren't going to guard him that year in the Western Conference Finals, he averaged like 17, 18 a game. Just because like he he just able to raise like I just I need to see it from Ben. The talent is there, but until it starts to manifest itself into the high leverage situations, then he's a role player. He's a very good role player. Like he's going to defend very well, facilitate, like teams need good role players. So I'm not saying like he's not a bum out. He's going to be in the league for a long time. <coughs> My thing is, like you said, these GMs saw the NBA finals or saw that in NBA playoffs. Like they're not going to give you a superstar player for that. And that's no disrespect, but that's just how we, what they saw in the playoffs. Like there's something like it, there may be a mental health thing, and in which case that's another hurdle for teams. Like we have to try to fix it mentally. That's less we giving you. Yeah, it, it, you got to deal with the ego. You got to deal with the pride. You got to deal with all that. And then to me, once again, you need to be in the talent buying business. I never understood this logic. And, you know, I hate that because we the league has become a league where you got to have three superstars to win a championship. That's what's being told. 
when we look at Milwaukee, you had a superstar and two good, very good players along with a, a great depth, like guys like Bobby Portis that you added. Like you didn't need three bona fide superstars to win a championship. Those days may be done. And to me, like, yeah, you got Phoenix who got Chris Paul, but you're getting Chris Paul at a premium, right? So my thing is if I'm Philly, I don't know how you look up and say, if I can get rid of Ben Simmons' contract and I get three young dudes that are dogs, three, not one, three, that you can fit in easily. And to me, like I said, once again, I just think it's one of those things where they look at him like we don't see him. Like, I, I, I really do. I think Maury thinks the world of him too much. And he's done this before. So, look, man, he thinks he's going to get another Harden. Like, that Harden trade was terrible. Like, you're not going to – you can't get no worse than that. But to me, you're getting names, guys that can start on the NBA roster today. And, yeah, it's just – it's crazy. But this is going to be Philly's downfall because they're waiting too long. You're yeah, on the clock. Yeah. You're on the clock. You're on the clock. King, yeah, I told King this a while ago. I was like, Embiid is not the most durable guy. You got him, mm-hmm. like, finally healthy for a year. You got to hit that hit that cash-in button and try to make this run. You just – you never know what big guys who've had – you know, previous back and, and knee and knee injuries. You know, you wish them the best, but you just you never know. But you know, we'll see what happens. Before we get out of here, Chris, let us know where to find you on Twitter, IG, all that, so we can tap in. Let us know where to find you. Yeah, man. Well, first off, man, I appreciate you guys having me on. Everybody that's listening to this, man, be sure y'all subscribe to my my guys here, man. They doing something good for the culture. These dudes know they stuff, man. Like I sit there and I. I, had to, I, I I follow y'all tweets, man. I love what you're doing. You know, Maples, I, I'm riding with you, man. Our Cowboys are down bad. I was, <laughs> I, I was trying, man. I was trying. I was fighting a good fight for us, man. But at the end of the day, once again, subscribe to them. But it's easy, like I said, to find me. Um, C. Hendo, and that's S-E-E-H-E-N-D-O. Now, if you go on Twitter, you have to put the underscore between the C and Hendo. And um, I'm on there. But any other way you can find me, um, YouTube, that way, C. Hendo. You know, PlayStation, Xbox, I'm everywhere. <laughs> I mean, I'm literally everywhere. So, yeah, like, yeah, I'm in all kinds of lanes, man. And like I said, I got a lot of good stuff coming. Um, got a lot of interviews I'm working on right now, especially with this baseball lockout and a lot of NBA guys I got that I've been talking to through the season. I haven't posted anything. So, with this COVID, me getting over COVID finally, being able to go back to games is great. So, yeah, man, like I said, everybody stay safe. But like I said, yeah, see Hendo. That's where you can find me. I'm pretty much an open book. You can always reach my DM. I answer to everybody. So once again, subscribe to these dudes' channel. Subscribe to what they're doing. I need y'all to do that. Comment, like, whatever they got going, keep it going, man, because we need this in basketball. As as I see all the time on timeline, we need more basketball people in basketball. And this is the reason why. Because we ain't no these these are no Daryl Morey. These are no Rob Polingas out here that just happen to have names. These guys know what they're talking about, man. And we need we need more in the culture, man. And like I said, I I salute what y'all doing. Appreciate you. That's usually how I end the pod. Subscribe and subscribe and follow. <laughs> I mean, you got you got my subscribe and follow, man. Like I said, just keep doing what y'all doing, man. I I hope one day that we all can catch up in the arena when this COVID. Well, if it ever goes away, we can all get in the arena one day. We can laugh and joke. Maybe not talk about the Cowboys. Please don't. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm still a little hurt right now. But I think yeah. I, I, I think we're gonna get that that summer league invite again. So we may have the summer league. Oh man. yeah, we got, we we definitely got to link up in Vegas, yeah. man. I'm about to get get a couple of the NBA guys come out. We can we can joke with them. Hopefully, hope ain't none of the dudes we talk about trading around. So <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. 
I've been getting in trouble lately for trying to trade guys that actually follow me and they, why you want me on? I'm like, oh, oh yeah, we, we, we ain't trying to, we ain't trying to get Chris ran up on the streets of Dallas, man. Uh, y'all be cool. Follow at us, Kingsboro on Twitter. Follow JJ Mabel's 55 underscore MST on Twitter. Like Chris Hendo said, uh, subscribe, comment, leave feedback on the pod, reach out to us. Uh, anything you want us to talk about, we'll talk in with you. Y'all be safe. We are out of here. Peace, y'all.